December 3rd, 2021. We're in Masechet Rosh at the beginning of the Gemara at the bottom of the page, which is six lines before the bottom. If you recall, the Mishnah described the questions that would be asked to the witnesses who were ready to testify about their seeing of the new moon. And the Mishnah mentioned several questions, amongst them two particular ones. One was, was the moon seen in front of or behind the sun? And secondly, was the moon seen to the north or to the south, and it sounds like we're measuring it vis-a-vis the sun. Ask the Gemara, Hainu Hama, Hainu Lisvona, Hainu Hama, Hainu Lidroma, without getting too uh, into astronomy together with you, um, both because it would be too confusing for you and also because it would be too confusing for me. In the most basic sense, what the Gemara is asking over here is, when we're measuring, when we're determining the coordinates of the moon and the sun, and we're talking about north or south in terms of setting, in terms of seeing it in the sky, we're effectively asking the same thing as, is it in front of or behind the sun? Now the Gemara will get a little bit more detailed about that on Daf with regards to at what time during the year, will it appear to be at sunset time to the north or to the south? But effectively, irrespective of whether you have all the details and understandings together, it's the same question. If I'm asking, is it to the north or to the south of the sun? I'm asking, is it in front of or behind the sun? Specifically, when I'm dealing with Israel, which is in the northern hemisphere of the, of the world, we're generally speaking going to conceive of the sunset taking place in the north. Well, that being the case, when I talk about the moon vis-a-vis the sun, I'm asking the same question in different words, and the Mishnah mentioned it as two separate questions. Again, the Mishnah mentioned several questions. Amongst them, did you see the moon in front of or behind the sun? And again, imagine and realize you're only going to really be seeing the moon, the new moon, at this time of sunset. You're not going to see the moon in the brightness of the day at the beginning of the month. It's very, all you're really seeing is the crescent of the moon. You're not seeing all that much when there's the sun out during the day, not really seeing anything. We might sometimes see it in the middle of the month. In the middle of the month, when it's a full moon, you'll see it out in the sky during the day. But when it's the beginning of the month, you're not really going to see it up in the sky during the daytime. So you're talking at sunset time period. When the witnesses are testifying to having seen that new moon, you're asking them, did you see it to the north or to the south of the sun? It's effectively the exact same question, says the Gemara, as asking, did you see it in front of or behind the sun? Why ask it as two questions? Says the Gemara again, Hainu lifnea hama, Hainu lisfona, asking, did you see the sun, excuse me, the moon in front of the sun is saying, did you see it to the north? When you talk about seeing it in the south, you're effectively saying, excuse me, when you, when you talk about seeing it in the, uh, the, behind the sun, you're effectively asking, did you see it in the south? Amara Baye says, that's not what the question was. The question was a bit different. It's true when we talk about north and south, we're talking about vis-a-vis the sun. When we asked, did you see it behind or in front of Amara Baye, Really what they were asking was the pigima of the moon. Did you see the pigima in front of or behind the sun? Now the pigima of the moon is a reference to the dark part of the moon. 
Of course, the moon is not, doesn't have a dark part and a lit up part. But when we look at the moon and we see parts of it that are lit up, it's because the sun is shining onto that part of it. So the question is a silly question, so to speak, but it's the way we're testing the witnesses. We're asking the witnesses, when you saw the dark part of the sun, of the moon, now you may have not even seen it, but you knew it was up there. Was that the part that was facing the sun or was that the part that was facing away from the sun? Now, obviously, the answer has to be that the dark part, the pigima, is facing away. Well, that's the question. So their test, Amar Abayeh, I mean, keep in mind, you're speaking to simple people who are coming to testify. You don't need to ask them too complicated questions to make certain that they saw a moon in the sky. Amar Abayeh, what you're asking them is pigimata, the dark part of the moon, literally the missing part of the moon. Lifgo means to take away. Of course, the moon doesn't have anything taken away, and the rabbis were well aware of that, but it's a way of referring to it. When we look at the sky, it looks as if the moon is deficient. If he responds that it's facing the sun, the dark part of the moon was facing the sun, so you know this witness is not really worth his salt. It does not amount to anything because the dark part of the moon, by definition, cannot be facing the sun. If it was facing the sun, it would not be dark. It would be lit up because the light of the moon, as we're well aware, as the Chachamim were well aware, is only emanating from the light of the sun. And then the Gemara has a dirasha for this. Again, they were, and this is certain, this is clear, they were well aware of the science on this. They understood that the light of the moon comes, they talk about it elsewhere, talk about it in, in several other places, the light of the moon comes from the sun. The dirasha they have over here is to understand it further, to understand it in another light, no, no pun intended. So don't get too caught up over here and believe that, the, oh, they needed a pasuk to prove that the sun is, uh, or the moon is lit up when it's facing the sun. They're well aware of that. They're looking for lessons over here. My dichtiv, what does it mean when the pasuk says, and they cite a pasuk from Sefer Echa, from Sefer Kohel, no, Sefer Echa, Sefer Yov, excuse me. Hamshel vafahad imo, that's a description of the fear, which is imo, uh, together with him, and then but at the same time, there's some sort of peace in the heavens. What's this a reference to? It's a description of how there is peace, but there's not absolute, uh, there's, there's a little dissonance while at the same time being peace in the heavens. How so? The sun will never see the pigima of the moon and the sun will never see the bottom of a rainbow. What are each of those references? Each easy references, of course, for us to understand. One more time, that the sun will not see the, the dark part of the moon is simple. That just can't be. The hachamim, as I mentioned, are going to try to find a lesson in that. The, the sun cannot see the bottom of a rainbow is quite simple as well. If the sun is beating from above, the only way that would be possible is if you had an upside down rainbow, which is not exactly scientifically uh, a reality. But the Gemara looks for, for lessons in this. The fact that the sun never sees and never saw the dark side, the missing part of the moon, why not? It would cause halishutadat, it would cause weakness of mind and spirit 
to the moon. What does that mean? Well, first and foremost, just in terms of the description. If I see your deficient side, if I see you in your state of uh, disrepair, it's embarrassing for you. You'd rather me see you when you're in your successful stage, when you're lighting, when you're lit up, when you're beaming. As a result, the description is the sun doesn't see the dark side of the moon, the part that's deficient in the moon. Moreover, what seems to be behind the scenes playing out over here is the Gemara Masechet Chulin and Dafsamech. Rashi cites in his commentary to the Torah. Rashi in the commentary quite quotes from this Gemara. Why is it that the moon sometimes appears to be deficient? It's because during Sheshet Yimei Bereshit on day four, God's will is that there will be two Meorot Gedolim. There'll be two great lights, of course, the sun and the moon, which seems to describe them as equivalent. Says the Midrash, the moon turns, it's in today's Hulk, the moon turns to, to God and says it can't be. The moon and sun, we can't both be kings sharing the same crown. And as a result, one of us needs to be in charge, says God. I like your suggestion. Let's make the sun in charge and let's make you smaller. Diminish yourself. Which means to say, in the eyes of the Hachamim, and we'll talk about the significance of that Midrash in a second, in the eyes of the Hachamim, looking at the moon and seeing the pigima means thinking about sin. And thinking about sin is something that's embarrassing. As a result, the description here in the Gemara is the moon doesn't want the sinful side of it, the reference point on it where you think about where it went wrong to be seen by the sun. And as a result, God indeed shades it away. Two points. First and foremost, a few years ago in the school, there was uh, some, uh, a rabbi of sorts, a scientist rabbi who visited the school, and he, uh, I don't know how he spends his career doing this, I don't know who funds him doing this, but he spends a lot of his time working in space thought, but halakha space thought. To the best of my knowledge, there hasn't been a Jew in space yet, let alone an observant Jew. But he wanted to know, there has been. He died, uh, Eli, right, that's, that's true. All right, well, we, we're almost there. Anyway, so he wanted to know what would the halakhot be with regards to Shabbat on the moon and so forth. It was an interesting conversation, but it seems highly theoretical for our state and being at this, uh, at this point in time. Anyway, he described the following, I thought it was just very cute. He said, on the moon there are many craters. You've probably seen that. He said, scientists have been looking into why are there, there are these craters. Craters seems to be the effect of a diminishment of the moon, they, su he, they suggest. He said it reminded him of this midrash. If the midrash is taken overly literal, it means that the moon was diminished. Well, you look at those craters on the moon, and he says, you're able to appreciate that. It was once much larger. Okay, that's in terms of a literal statement of the midrash. The message of the midrash is quite simple if you imagine it as the moon being uh, human beings to a certain extent. If you think about what the moon is and was, it shines light which it receives from the outside. The sun is the force which so shines the light onto the moon and then the moon just radiates that, it, 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 it uh, reflects it. Uh, humanity, if you understand ourselves appropriately, our efforts, our skills, our abilities are really just a manifestation of God's ability to give it to us. We are the mekabelim, he is the mashpia. God is the force, he's the life force, and we in turn are able to then spread that, maybe in a dominion in this world, but ultimately speaking, it emanates from, quote, the light of above of God. Adam Harishon, much like the moon, confuses that. During time of sin, we refuse that. We, 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 we confuse that. We imagine ourselves as the mashpia. We imagine ourselves as the 
force which brings forth that light. And as a result, the moon is told, wait a second, you think that you are on the same stature as the sun? You're just reflecting the, the light of the sun. Diminish yourself. It's an identical wording the Hachamim have with regards to Adam HaRishon and Masechet Hagiga, that God turns to Adam HaRishon and he says to him, oh yeah, you believe my words. You're like God? Diminish yourself immediately. That in turn is the message with regards to the diminishment of the moon and the sinful side of that moon, which very much reflects who we are as human beings, oftentimes confusing our abilities, our capabilities, and forgetting that the light rests above and we are just here to be mikabelim, those who then refract it forward. Well, the Gemara continues and it says, why is it that the sun doesn't see the bottom of the rainbow? The reason that the sun doesn't see the bottom of the rainbow and only shines from above is We don't want, God didn't want, those who worship the sun to be able to point up at the sun and say, you see what's happening right now? The rainbow is pointing downward. And imagine a rainbow as the Gemara is, as appearing to be like a bow. And a bow, of course, if you have a bow and it's pointing downward, you'll be able to shoot downward. As a result, the bow is pointing upward. Again, a bow and arrow. Gere means arrows. So if the bow is, is, is pointing upward, it means that you can't make the mistake of looking at the rainbow and saying, oh, you see, it's pointing down toward us. It's because the sun is able to shoot at us through that rainbow, through the bow of that rainbow. That's not the reality. Instead, it's always facing upward. In fact, Ramban Nachmani in his commentary to the Torah and Parashat Noah suggests why is it that the keshet, the rainbow, is the sign of God's peace, of his covenant, his berit, with mankind after the mabul in Parashat Noah. Why a rainbow? Says Ramban, look at a rainbow. A rainbow is an upside down bow and arrow. And as a result, what God is saying to us, to Noah and to the inhabitants of the world after the Mabul is, listen, I have that ability to use this bow and arrow. However, I'm facing it away from you. I'm promising you that I'll never face it downward. I'll always face it upward. At best, you know, you'll be shooting at me, quote unquote. I'll never be shooting down at you. But that's the description here in the Gemara. Ramban is really drawing from this Gemara, I believe. The Gemara is describing the sun as never facing the bottom of the rainbow. If the rainbow would be inverted, if it would be facing downward, we'd look up, not we, those who worship the sun would look up and say, you see, that's the, rain, that's the sun's bow and arrow. He's shooting down at us. You'd give powers to them. You'd give them the ability to make the claim for the sun being strong. Says the Gemara onward, independently. Right? There were several other questions we asked the witnesses when they entered to testify about the new moon. Tana, Hada, says the Gemara. One statement in a Beraita says the following. Lisvona, if the person said that the moon was seen to the north of the sun, Devarav Kayamin, Lidroma lo Amar Kelum. If he says it was seen to the south of the moon, we would say to him, that's, uh, that's not true. Sorry, we can't accept you. Vehatanya Ipcha, says the Gemara. On the other hand, we have a Beraita which states the opposite. In other words, uh, where did you see the moon? If the person were to say, I saw it in the south, we accept it. If he says he saw it in the north, we don't accept it. Again, south and north vis-a-vis its direction to the sun. Says the Gemara, what's the explanation to this? There's two Beraitot which contradict one another. One Beraita says one way, the other Beraita says the opposite. Says the Gemara, Lakashya. Can be a can be a geshamim. It depends on the time of the year, says Rashi. It depends on the time of the year. A long Rashi taking you through it in his 
astronomical understandings based on several other gemarot. But the basic distinction, says Rashi, is it depends on the time of the year with regards to our perception in Israel and in other places in the world of where the sun and moon are setting. During the summer period, says Rashi, he says, if it's during the summertime, you'll see the sunset, yes, in the west, but in the northwest. If it's in the wintertime, it'll appear as if it's in the southwest. As a result, says the Gemara over here, it depends during which time of the year you're looking up and seeing the sun and moon. If it's during the summertime, one way. If it's during the wintertime, another way. But those were easily accessible and understandable matters to those who were asking the witnesses. And as a result, the answer of the witnesses was easily tested as to being true or false. Tanura Banan says Gemara, another beraita, Echad Omer Gavua. The question, of course, was to the witnesses, how high up did the moon appear to you? One might say it's two sticks uh, length. Mardea uh, is the stick you would hit a, a, a donkey or a horse with. So it says it's two sticks from where I was standing. I saw it appeared as if, if I were to measure it with a stick in the sky, it's two sticks up. And the other one says, I saw it three sticks up. That's not a discrepancy, which is a significant discrepancy as a result. You're talking about the moon. You're making very, very broad stroke uh, analysis on it. Is it one stick? Is it two sticks? Is it three sticks away? A discrepancy of two or three. They combine to form one testimony of two of a pair. What if one says it was three sticks length away and the other one says it was five away? Such a circumstance, we say, the discrepancy is too much. That's the halacha. How do, why are we distinguishing between three and five and two and three? I don't know. I imagine it has to do with human beings' perception of the moon in the sky, and you can't be that far off. You know, speak to the... Yes? Assuming that they saw the moon at the exact same time. Yes, which makes sense because you're generally speaking going to be testifying after seeing it around the time of sunset. That's going to be the time where it's most visible on the new moon time. You're going to have. You certainly should, but they might not believe you because I'm not certain you're going to be able to see it. I'm, I'm no astronomer, but it appears to me through my. Talmudic understanding, that it won't be visible at that time. At the beginning of the month, you're not going to see it in the morning hours. Again, if it is for whatever reason, and you go and you testify about that, I'm, I'm imagining they would accept you. I think this is all things being equal. This is the way it's generally speaking going to play out. Aval mitzarefin le'edut says the Gemara. However, they can combine to form a different pair, which means to say, I say three, Mara says five. We can't come together. However, Stanley walks in and he says five. Morris and Stanley can now testify about the new moon together. Again, or I come, I say three. Eddie walks in after me and says three as well. Although Morris and I, or four, yeah, indeed, or, or one off, whatever. But the point is, if the discrepancy is between the two who walked in, and again, we're checking them independently, it doesn't mean they're therefore disqualified from combining with another. What about the other one? I said three. Morris says five. Stanley walks in and says, oh, you want to say he says four, so we both could combine with him. That's interesting. But let's say he says five, and Morris combines with him, but I don't, right? So I can't come together with him. What's the status of my testimony? Of course, it's disqualified, 
probably as a result, I'm now disqualified going forward in testimony in general. I then am probably established as a false witness because I was accepted in the court. They checked me in the court, right? And then I'm found to be, based on two witnesses, falseful in my testimony. We don't really listen to the rest of them, right? We're done. We'll ask them broad, broad questions. That's right. You have to do teshubah afterwards, you know, which, which is effective, and you have to prove it to the court that you did teshubah, but that's right. You're then disqualified. That's, that's, uh, if you testify falsely in court, I mean, I don't know if it's the same way in American court system. It can't be. But if you're, if you're found to be a false, false, test, uh, false witness, I mean, we're going to first and foremost punish you, and secondly, we're going to say we now suspect you going forward. You can't accept your, t- with your testimony. Say it again. The following 30 guys were not, we, 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 got, we asked them basic questions, we didn't get into it. They're not testimony in the formal sense, they won't be uh, disqualified. Yes, Stanley. It seems that they're standard questions. Now, if I'm coming to see the, to see the bad dean, yeah. me, my friend and I, we're going to have our stories correct together. You're right. I, what do you want me to tell you? I, you didn't do your, your, you didn't think you didn't think about it coming in. I don't know. You didn't think about. I, I, listen, I, I mean, I would tell you the same thing. A in American court system, we should never have false testimony. If everyone actually did their work, you know, carefully and went over every potential question, then we, you know, you'd be able to pull off all sorts of things. And certainly in that system as well. My 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 imagination is they're going to push you a little bit. They're going to ask you some unexpected questions, and even this sort of question, as much as you rehearsed it, they might push you a little bit until they get out something different. That's the best I have in terms of understanding. Says the Gemara, Tanura banan reinuhu bamaim. What if the witnesses come in and they say, "Listen, we didn't look up at the sky and see the moon. We saw it through a reflection in the water. We were out at the river. We looked in the water. We saw, oh, what a beautiful crescent of the moon. And then maybe we looked up and it was already covered. But we saw it from the water. We saw a reflection. Reinuhu baashashit." We saw it, well, take a look at Rashi for what ashashit means. Rashi writes for ashashit, kandila. Candila, candle. Then the little letter in mind, the tet next to it says, you should know what a kid, sarich lomar, lantrina. Lantrina, a lantern, of course, right? So Rashi is describing as seeing it through a lantern. And in just a moment, we're going to say this is not a proper vision. If you see a reflection in the water, you see it through a lantern. What does it mean you saw it through a lantern? You saw it, we're imagining, you saw it through a lantern. I'm holding the lantern like this, and I saw the moon through that. That's disqualified? Are you telling me furthermore that if I see it through a window, that's disqualified? Why should that be disqualified? I can't, can I do Kiddusha Levana, Bekata Levana, in today's day and age? This is a question of the post-scheme in the past several hundred years. If I'm looking through the window and I saw the moon, do I need, I know we always go outside, for good reason. But if I didn't go outside, it's terrible weather outside. Well, if it's terrible weather, you're not seeing the moon. Whatever the circumstances, you're lying in your bed and you see the moon, can you do Bekata Levana? It sounds like you can't. Ashashit appears to, I have better than that. I wear glasses. Do I need to take my glasses off for Bekata Levana? Would they not accept my testimony for Bekata Levana? Further than that, the classic two questions, one ancient and one more modern, are as follows. The halakha is for halitza, of course, in a circumstance of leveret marriage possibility. If there's a husband and a wife and the husband, the aleno, passes away without any children, the wife then has to get married to yibum, to his brother. If she doesn't, if they determine, whatever the circumstances, they're not doing yibum, they do halitza, which is a process in which she says, he says, we're not doing this together. But halitza is a process which needs to be done with judges. The halakha is, the Gemara Masechet Yivamot says, that the judges cannot be 
blind for the halitza ceremony? What if they wear reading glasses? Not reading glasses, vision glasses. Are they considered blind? Is that ashashit? This was a question in the poll scheme as well. Lastly, in the last several hundred, last hundred years or so, Hacham Badia Yosef quotes this at great length from many of the poll scheme. He says, what's the halakha on Mosei Shabbat when we say Havdalah on a flame? Can you do it on an electric flame? Can you do it on an electric light? Is that considered ashashit? Each of these set questions needs to be dealt with independently, but it seems to be open and shut immediately from our Gemara that they're all problematic. Why are they all problematic? Because you're seeing it through Ashashit. Ashashit, the Gemara is telling us, is just like seeing it through the reflection. The Gemara is going to say it's disqualified. The answer to each of these, although each needs to be dealt with furthermore independently for other issues, uh, goes as follows. The Ashashit referred to here in the Gemara can be interpreted in another way. The other way to interpret it is very similar, almost identical to seeing it in the water. When I saw it in the water, I looked at the water and I saw the reflection. I'm not talking about going underwater and looking out. I'm looking at the water and seeing the reflection. So too with the Ashashit, I'm holding the lantern and I see the reflection of the moon off the lantern. Like That's the description, like a mirror. It's not that I'm looking out of the window. It's not that I'm looking through the lantern. It's that I'm looking at the lantern and seeing it reflected off of it. That's the problem in the Gemara. They point to the words of Harambam in Hilchot Kiddusha Chodesh to support this. That is the alternative interpretation of the Gemara. Does that therefore mean, and there should be a class on this, I don't think I've ever done a full class, does that therefore mean that all the issues I addressed are therefore all okay? Not so fast. Hacham Yosef, as do many of the other poskim, have particular issues with regards to using electric lights for Havdalah, for Bore Meoreha Eshan Havdalah. A separate conversation, but the point is, this is not necessarily the make or break issue because Ashashit can and perhaps should be interpreted differently. I, I say as well, when I do the Katalevana, not by heart like you, Musa, but when I say Katalevana, I leave my glasses on. And it's, it's all, I know you know it by heart, that's all. I, the, I mean, all, all, of them, all of them are in Syria. Okay, the, the Musa's amongst us. Anyway, could, That's right. No, it's what I'm saying is it's two issues, right? The first issue, right, that's correct. That's that's what I'm saying. That's the continuation of the issue. That's why I'm saying the initial issue is maybe it's already disqualified. It's ashashit. That's why the post scheme initially dealt with it. Then after that, is this considered a fire to the extent? Well, I'm telling you, you can't do it on Shabbat. Can't do it on Shabbat. Why does that? And I'm telling you, it's potentially malechet havara. So maybe it is. Those are the issues that go into this determination. again the They say we saw it as a reflection of the water. Determine and translate accordingly. We saw it through clouds, it was obscured. In all those circumstances, we say that's not a sufficient testimony. Let's say they say, We saw half of it. We didn't even see the whole crescent of the moon, but we saw half of it in reflection in the water. Similarly, half of it through the, through the clouds. Half of it through or by means of the lantern. In Me'idin Alav. Those two are not accepted, says the Gemara. I mean, that second part of the Biraita seems to be very unnecessarily stated. If you told me you saw the whole moon in any of these circumstances, it's not accepted. You saw half the moon, you needed to tell me that. Kalva Homer, Kol it's quite simple, says the Gemara. Hashata, now that you told me, Kulo Amartalo, you told me that if you see the entire moon through the water, through the lantern, through the clouds, it's not accepted. Do you need to tell me? Don't tell me the answer of the Gemara. Tell me the question of the Gemara right now. That's right. The Havah Minah of the Gemara. You only saw half. 
Chalas. Says the Gemara, Rather, this is what it meant to say. As Morris just stated, before I even read it inside, I'll tell you what Morris just said. Morris said, what happened is, I'm looking at the water, I saw half of the crescent. That's what I saw, half of it there. And then I look up at the sky, and the other clouds or something obscures that half, but I see the other half. It's a funny circumstance. I'm looking at my lantern, I saw half. I look up and I saw the other half, which means to say this is more of an argument to say that it's kosher testimony, because when I looked up at the sky, I actually saw half of the moon. I happen to have filled it out through any of these problematic. The easiest case, of course, is the clouds. I saw half of the moon obscured by the clouds, but I saw it through, and then I saw half revealed. Is that kosher? Even that's not kosher. Again. Rather, this is what the Beraita and the Sefa, the end part, meant to say. If the other half is straight up in the sky, half is obscured by the clouds. The other half, you see clearly, any of those circumstances as well, says the Beraita in Me'idin, they're not kosher testimony. You have to see the whole moon in an unobscured fashion directly with your eyes. Tanur Rabbanan says the Gemara onward, another Beraita, they state, we saw the moon, but then we looked back and we didn't see it any longer. And Me'idin Alaf says the Beraita, you cannot use that as a testimony. It's not a kosher testimony. So ask the Gemara, really? What's that? So the whole thing. And then uh, disappeared. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. That's the question. Nathan, it's exactly the question of the Gemara. Says the Gemara, translated loosely as, do you mean to tell me they have to have their eyes and mind on the moon at every second until they come into Betin? We saw it and we've been watching it for the last 24 hours. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, what are you talking about? You saw it and then it got obscured. You saw it and then uh, the sun came out and it uh, overshone it. What are you telling me? Amar says it must be a little bit different than we understood until now. Amar This is what it means to say. Initially, we saw it heke. That's translate, uh, translation for me'elenu. Heke, we were just outside. We, loved, uh, you know, we didn't even talk about it. We were talking to each other. And then, I don't know, 20 minutes later, we said, by the way, as you talk, did you notice the moon? Uh, maybe I saw it out of the corner of my eye. Did you see it? Yeah, I think I saw it. Uh, let's go testify. We walk into court and they say, all right, you saw it. But then did you look again after? Yeah, we looked again afterwards and we didn't see it. Okay, we can't be certain that what you saw initially when you didn't intently look at it and say that is the moon, not that you spent an hour doing so, even a minute, even 10 seconds doing so, but you saw it heke, me'elav, me'elenu, veshavnu liroto, and then we came back. Again, we came back and be two seconds later. I'm talking, I said, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. And I said, okay, let's look. And, oh, where'd it go now? And we went back, and then we came back to see it with a conscious uh, intent to see it. And we didn't see it any longer. Why not? Why is that not a kosher testimony? If you saw it, you saw it. I mean, Mars, Mars and I were talking. We did see it. We're certain we saw it. Yeah, but the fact that you weren't intently peering at it and determining that that's the moon, my ta'ama, what's the reason? What are we suspicious of? Emur, we will say, the judges in the court, they probably just saw some sort of configuration of Iba. Iba, of course, is the, is the clouds. They must have seen a cloud that appeared to be the moon, unless you actually looked at it with the intention of looking at the moon. 
we can't be certain you actually saw the moon. And as a result, if you looked at it and think you saw it, it just heck in a conversation, then went back to look at it and didn't see it, we have to disqualify that testimony as well. Say it again. You need that in order to, and that need not mean a long dot. That means intention. Chalas. Says the Gemara on the Mishnah. How would they, once upon a time, be They didn't just accept testimony, they didn't just send out the word, they also had a formal ceremony. What would happen is Rosh Betin, the head of the court, of the rabbinical court, would say, The month is sanctified, it achieved its sanctity through this testimony and our acceptance of it. And anyone who is there as a part of this ceremony, we call that Kol Ha'am, they would respond to his statement of Mikudash, they would say, Mikudash, Mikudash, they would state it twice. What's that? Twice. He would say it once, they would say it twice. Continues the Mishnah and it says, whether that was on day 30 or on day 31. Day 30 we call Bizmano, it's a regular month, quote unquote, or Shelo Bizmano is day 31. Irrespective of when we're establishing Rosh Chodesh, what do we do? We're Mekadesh Oto, we do this formal ceremony. Rosh Betin gets up and he says, Mekudash, and everyone responds, Mekudash, Mekudash. Rabbi Azab Rabbi Sadok Omer, Imloni Rabbi Zmano, and Mekadeshin Oto. Says Rabbi Azab Rabbi Sadok, he says, it's not so. He says, if it's on day 30, we do the ceremony, Mekudash, Mekudash, Mekudash. If it's day 31, not necessary. Why not? Shekfar Kiddishu Hushamayim. We say in such a circumstance, if you pass day 30, Everybody knows day 31 is Rosh Chodesh. As a result, it's not your responsibility any longer. Hakadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachol was already Mekadesh. Says the Gemara, what's the sourcing for this? Rosh Betin saying Mekudash. What's a source or a hint in the Torah, a remez, for the idea that we're supposed to have a ceremony in which the head of the Betin gets up and says Mekudash formally with his words, uttering it out loud. Amar Gamda, Amar Bin Shaul, Amar Amar Kera. The Pasuk says, Vaidaber Moshe Pasuk says that Moshe speaks about or speaks the Mu'adim, the times of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The times is all-inclusive. It's not only the holidays, it's the smaller holidays, the more minor holidays, including Rosh Chodesh. Mikan, Rosh Betin, Omen Mekudash. If Moshe is speaking to the people, what's he talking about? He's telling them when the holidays are. It means he's establishing it. He's establishing it how? Just accepting testimony? No, he's formally saying Rosh Chodesh is now Mekudash. Says the onward, so that's my source, that Moshe, the Av Betin, the Rosh Betin is supposed to say Mekudash. How do I know that part of the ceremony is then that everyone responds Mekudash, Mekudash, Minadan? What's my sourcing for this? Amar Papa, Amar Kera, Asher Tikru'u Otam. The Pasuk says, Ele Mo'adi Adonai Mekrai Kodesh, Asher Tikru'u Otam Bemo'adam. But if you look at the Pasuk in the Torah, the word Otam is written not Aleph Vav Taf Mem, it's rather written Aleph Taf Mem. It's written Haser. We make a Deraja from that. The Haserot and Niterot are very important in the Torah. We make many derashot and understandings from it. So it appears to say, atem, which you will call out. Who's you? You is me and you, not the important people in the Betin. Me and you, which means to say, not only do they have a part in this, but the Am, not only the Betin, but the Am as well, karebe atem, the derasha, the reading is atem, and as a result, we understand not only Rosh Betin says Mekudash, but we need to respond, and we're part of it. Rav Nachman Bar he has a different derasha, elem hem mu'adah. The Pasuk says, these are my holidays. Hem yomeru mo'adai. They will say, my mo'adai. The Pasuk says, ele hem mo'adai. Who's hem? 
So of course, the simple reading of the pasuk is these are the halal. But it says him, who's him? We're understanding him, meaning the people. They say these are my moadai. So two derashot as to a rem is in the pasuk that the people are part of it. Who said they do it twice? Maybe the Rosh Beitin should say mekudash, and they respond back mekudash. What's with mekudash? And then everyone responds mekudash, mekudash. It says Gemara mekudash, mekudash terezim neelamali. Why do they respond twice? Of course, it strengthens it. You say it twice. You say we accept it and we bring it forward. But why you have a pasuk in the Torah you could point to as a remez? Dichtiv mikrae kodesh. Pasuk doesn't just say mikra, which means to call out, to say. It says mikrae, the callings of the kodesh, which means to say there's not just one mikudash. There's mikudash, mikudash from the people. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.